0: Thank you for joining me in today's broadcast of Web Church. I do believe that you are going to be blessed. This Sunday service is going all over the world, touching the lives of many people. And you are part of this. And it's good for me to come into your house, to come through the Internet and just bring the message of God's grace and His hope for us. We are talking about the unconditional love of God. And for the last three or four weeks, we've really majored on God's love for us. And we're going to continue with that in this um, service. In the services to come, we're going to talk about our love for people and how we get it right to love others. Before we get into that, I would just like to testify about the goodness of God. We've been blessed with a house down in Malmesbury, and we are moving down um, we, at, at, at the end of this month. We're moving down. We're busy packing and everything. It's really a time of great excitement. I'm looking forward to what is going to happen once we've moved into Malmesbury, I believe that God will impact that area with the message of God's unconditional love, the message of His grace. Many people will be touched by His love. We will see signs, wonders, and miracles, and I believe that from there we're going to get onto radio stations, other television stations, and we're just going to see this message of grace really impacting the world. But what I also envision is to have a web station. A web station is basically like a television station, but with grace preachers that broadcast on that station. And, um, I mean, they can broadcast there for a donation of any amount, and that will be then broadcasted via the web all over the world, and people with uh, broadband internet or ADSL will be able to see the message of grace 24-7 um, you know, on the internet. And I believe that is going to impact the world. I'm excited to have that vision, to see that that will really Um, just explode and start to flow uh, into the lives of so many people. So open your heart, pray for us when it comes to your prayer time and you want to pray for somebody, pray for us in in those lines, along those lines. We want to see the love of God, the message of God's grace broadcasted all over the world. Now before we get into the Word, before we speak a little bit about finances and pray for the sick and those type of things, let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that has just slotted in. To this webcast, I thank you that your love flows through me today. I thank you they will be impacted. I thank you that their lives will be so radically changed by your unconditional love that they will say, surely I can see God indwells me. Surely I can see the love of God flows through me and that I have been changed into the very likeness and the image of God. Man, thank you, my God, for that awesome Awesome revelation of Jesus Christ. It brings peace to our hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that when I minister this word, I will minister it with authority and power. And the people that are part of Web Church will just say, Thank God for this church that we can be part of this because our lives have been impacted and we can live the God life in this world. Amen. Well, the Web Church has got a vision to impact as many people with a message of God's goodness and His grace to the point that they will live a life that flows out to others where they minister this word of grace all over the world. We want people to minister the message of grace from a foundation of dignity and worth and not a foundation of obligation or guilt. The greatest thing about the love of God is that we can stand before God guiltless. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared of God. We don't even have to be scared of God judging us according to our works. Now, in last Sunday's broadcast, we really spoke about that in depth. We don't even have to be afraid of God judging us according to our works, good or bad. Because if we stand before God and before His judgment throne... He will not deal with us according to our sins or our iniquities, but He will deal with us according to the obedience of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And that brings true true peace and joy into the lives of people. The uh, Romans chapter 5 clearly says that we've got hope and confident expectation of good things to come because of our revelation of God's unconditional love towards us. If we don't have the right revelation about God's love towards us, we will start to live in depression. We will get into works righteousness. We will get back into performance. And we will actually live the same type of life that the, or lives that the people in the old covenant lived. Those Pharisees and Sadducees and the people in the desert w- that was under the law of Moses. We will live a life of defeat. We will never come to a point where we um, feel we qualify or we are good enough for God and to receive the blessing that God has given to us. We will be going around the mountain all the time, and we'll, we will never enter into the promised land. We must realize that we have been born in the promised land by what Jesus Christ has done. And we don't have to seek for a desert experience. We don't have to seek for um, trying to please God by our works. There's only one thing that pleases God, and that is faith. Now, faith is a fruit You must realize faith is not something that you can do for God. Faith is something that just happens to you when you hear the message of God's grace. So faith is a fruit. You can only believe in somebody or trust somebody when you hear things that is trustworthy about that person. So as you hear the message of God's grace, as you hear the message of the great redemption plan of Jesus Christ, you will find faith in your heart. You will not have to try to believe today. As I preach this word of grace, you will find that it empowers you. It, it brings trust, a resting of your mind in the integrity, the veracity and the sound principle that God has towards us. It will bring a, a, a perspective of God that says, I can trust him. I can rest my life my finances, my family, my future, my holiness and my righteousness in His hands. Now many times we only want to rest our salvation once we have died um, and in the hands of God. We want to say, well, I know that if I die, then Jesus will save me. But why can't we rest our righteousness also in His hands? Why can't we put our holiness also in His hands saying, well, He made me holy. He made me righteous. I believe that the righteousness that He gave me is sufficient for me to stand righteous before God even in this world. Hallelujah. Now, if we start to use the scriptures where the Bible speaks of God's unconditional love towards us and we turn that around and we say it actually implies that we should love others, we will never understand God's love for us. So the vision of um this session and, the, and a couple of sessions to come is just to get you established in God's love for you. And once you find the love of God in your heart, shed abroad in your heart, knowing what Jesus has done for you and seeing that as the love of God and not something that God must still do, um, you will find that you have got love for others, you've got love for yourself and stability in your life. Now, God doesn't say that He will still love you. The love of God is not based on your performance, based on your works and it's not something that must still happen. The love of God has already happened. Now I know it is not the right grammar but the love of God has happened already. He has proven his love, he has shown his love upon the cross and it can never change. For God's love to change when it comes to you, Jesus needs to disappear and the work of the cross needs to be Made void or needs, needs to be proclaimed by God as not valid anymore today. Now that will never happen. The love of God was commanded towards us in this that Jesus gave his, or that the Father gave his Son and that he died while we were sinners. So God showed his love towards you while you were a sinner. So why will we now work for the love of God? It is actually, um, if you try to work for the love of God, you are insulting God. Uh, the reason why I say that is God loves out of who He is. And if, he, if you come and say, well, um, God is not good enough and doesn't love me enough. He's got no love in Him. If I don't produce things or good works that can produce love in the heart of God towards me, He actually has got no love towards me. God loves you. He gave His Son while you were a sinner. And all that you need to do is open your heart towards that. And uh, we're going to speak a little bit about finances from that perspective. And if you can start to think of God's love towards you when it comes to money, you will easily experience prosperity coming to your life. You will also experience contentment in your heart. And you will have peace about your financial future. The love of God includes finan- uh, finances. He gives towards you from the basis of His unconditional love. Do you? So many times we want to earn points with God through our tithes and our offerings, thinking that if we don't give it, then God cannot bless us. The Bible says that money is the smallest thing, basically, in the kingdom of God. So all we can do is, we can say, I trust God even with my money. Why would God leave the smallest thing in the kingdom of God out of His redemption plan? The smallest thing in the kingdom of God, the thing that you should worry the least about, is money. Why would God take the smallest thing and say, Well, my, uh, uh, the death upon the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ does not include prosperity free from the works of the law. Now, we need to understand that tithing and sowing and reaping is under the law if you say that you need to do that in order to be blessed. Now, in Dynamic Web Church, The finances that comes into this church is through people that listen to this broadcast and then make donations or give towards this church. And we use that money to uh, broadcast these sessions, to pay salaries, to just get the message of God's grace all over the world. Now, that giving that you give, if you decide, I want to give a tithe or 10% of my finances towards Dynamic Web Church, you are welcome to do that. But if you say, God will bless me because I do that, you are in error. It is not the truth. It is good if you decide that you want to give a certain amount of money to a church or to maybe you're in another church and you're a visitor to Web Church today. It's good to give to your pastor. It's good to pay your, uh, or give a tithe if you decide on a tithe. You can decide on a fifth or you can decide on just a certain amount and just give as you feel in your heart. But when you give it, you don't give it out of necessity. Not You don't give it because you need financial prosperity tomorrow. You give it because you know that by His grace, you've been enriched and by His grace, you are blessed forevermore when it comes to money. Now, I'm not going to go into depth concerning finances, but I want to say, if you give, you give from a heart that says, I want to bless this word of grace. I want to see this word of grace Going all over the world, touching the lives of millions of people. And from that perspective, you give. If this is the place where you find uh, spiritual food, this is the place where you give. And the same with other churches. If you're in another church, you're a visitor here, but you really find your spiritual food and growth in another church, take your finances and bless that man of God. Bless that uh, church so that they can do what they need to do. But never connect your blessing to what you've given. Uh, the only way you can connect the blessing to towards or with what you give is this way, because you have been blessed. Therefore, you give. In, and in no other way we can do that, right? Um, I'm just going to pray for people right now that's got financial, maybe financial trouble that needs prosperity. I want to pray for you. And before I do that, let me just read Second uh, Corinthians, which is my favorite scripture when it comes to finances. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you through His poverty might be made rich. So Jesus Christ was rich, He became poor, so that you through His poverty might be made rich. So the love of God is shown towards you in that God gave His Son while we were yet sinners. So while you were a sinner, Jesus became poor so that you through his poverty might be made rich. You are not made rich by your giving. You are not made rich by your effort. You are made rich by the poverty of Jesus Christ on your behalf and his obedience to the law. So that the good thing that the law can do, according to Romans 8, can be done in you and that you can prosper through the obedience of Jesus. Man isn't that powerful. There's one scripture that I still want to read. It says here in Matthew chapter 24. Verse verse 24. No man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I say unto you take no thought of your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor of your body what you will put on Is not life more than meat, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Now, what Jesus said here is, don't worry about where your finances will come from. Rather, make the kingdom of God your treasure, and what Jesus Christ has brought for you. Make that the most important thing in your life and not how to get money. Because the birds of the air are cared for by God. How much more you? Because you are worth much more to God than the birds of the air. So the basis on which God provides for you is His love for you and your worth to Him. And your worth is determined by what Jesus was willing to pay for you. You are worthy of the Christ, the Bible says. Therefore we must walk worthy of the Christ. So you are worthy of Jesus because you were paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So your worth is determined by what God was willing to pay for you, which was Jesus. So as surely as what God will provide for Jesus, that's how sure you can be that He will provide for you. As sure as what you know that you are saved if you believe in Jesus, your sins are washed away by His blood, that's how sure you can know that your poverty has been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and that you are prosperous in what He has done. On your behalf. Through becoming poor. And then. Um, and his obedience to the law. I mean. What I mean by that is. Jesus Christ tithed on your behalf. He paid the tithe. To the temple. He obeyed the law. To every point and comma. He paid it so that through that obedience. Blessing could come. And through his poverty. The curse of poverty could be removed from us. So that we by faith can receive the righteousness Of the law. Or the righteousness that could come through obeying the scriptures. Now, you don't try to obey the law to become righteous. You are righteous through the obedience of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that's listening to this message that I've just ministered on your unconditional love when it comes to finances. Thank you, Father, that you have just given this as well upon the cross. You love people. You care for people and you want to see people prosperous, my Father. Thank you that people can understand this and get this revelation. In Jesus' mighty name, I speak over everybody's finances. I say you are prosperous, you are the blessed of God, you are loved by God and God's care flourishes over you in every area of your life, especially right now in the area of your finances. In the name of Jesus, I say don't fear. For God sees you as more valuable than the birds of the air. You've got the same value as Jesus. Therefore, God has already provided for you. And by faith, we have access into this grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the last couple of days, I've just been saying this. The Word of God works for me. And the Bible says we need to change our minds and renew our minds so that our lives can change by the renewal of our minds. We need to get our minds into the message of grace. And you know, the whole world and everything in this world tries to tell people that the message of God's grace and the word of God does not work. And I know for sure that the word of God works for me and the Word of God works for you. It has already worked. It has already manifested its power. And according to Romans chapter 5, and I want to read it quickly, we have access into this grace through faith. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what the scripture says here is so clear. It says that we've got access into the grace, the influence that Jesus has on man today through what happened upon the cross and his resurrection. We've got access into that by faith. Now as you believe that the word of God works for you, not just that, but as you believe what Jesus has done for you, you will find that you are blessed. You know, many times we think if I believe that I'm going to be blessed financially, um, that that faith is going to give me access into grace. Faith that says I'm going to be blessed or I'm going to be healed is not what gives you access into the grace of God. Faith that believes in what Jesus has done on your behalf gives you access into the grace of God. And this is the type of faith that we've been speaking about and we can read it in um, Romans chapter 4. And verse 5, But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, I don't want to just rush over this. I want to explain this a little bit more in depth. So many times we are using positive faith, or positive confession, or motivational speaking, or or motivational thinking, and we use that, the power of that, to get blessing towards us and then we think it's the blessing of God. It is not the truth. I've listened to many people preach on television. They never mention the name of Jesus. They just use some scriptures and say, these people has made it. Now, we're going to make it as well. Um, <clears throat> these people prospered. We're going to prosper as well. We just need to say it enough. We need to speak it enough. We need to think about it enough. If you think about prosperity enough, you're going to become prosperous. Now, to me, that is... Uh, um, using human efforts and human willpower and the power of the human spirit to bring forth blessing in your life. And it's not the blessing that comes by the grace of God. Don't try and believe and say, well, I believe I'm going to be blessed. That type of faith, the Hindus has got that as well. The, um, The Jews has got that. The Muslims has got that. All types of faith has got that. But the difference between the faith of the Christian... And the faith of all other religions is this. We don't just believe that we are going to be blessed. We believe in what happened so that we can be blessed. So faith is not directed towards stuff. Faith is directed towards someone and what he has done. The word faith is the Greek word persuasion. Uh, You've only got faith once you are persuaded of what Jesus has done on your behalf. You, faith, I I mean, anything else is presumption. You just presume that you're going to be blessed. Now, true faith has got a revelation on what Jesus Christ has done for you. And then once you are persuaded of what is done for you, you find that persuasion is called faith. And God is pleased if you are fully persuaded of what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf and how He has already blessed you and prospered you in every area of life. Man, that is a powerful truth. You can go to the archive and watch this. Now, I need to say this. uh, You will only find these sessions archived in the uh, first week in December. It will not be archived now. Because Vessel Nyanet, the people that work for me, they are getting married. um, You know, so they are on honeymoon and there's nobody to do this at the moment. I don't know how to do it. So, uh, it will only be done in December after we have moved. But if you get into the archive and you listen to this again, you will find, man, the blessing of God is resting upon this and I start to understand that I cannot direct my faith towards stuff. But my faith is directed towards what God has done for me. And the Bible clearly says, what God has done for you in Jesus Christ is called the love of God. So, as you hear the love of God, That's how you will find faith coming into your heart. Without love, it's impossible to trust. Without love, it's impossible to expect that which is good and that which is holy and righteous. If you cannot know, if you don't have a revelation of God's love for you, in what Jesus has done on your behalf, let's say for instance in the area of finances, You will never be able to trust God and rest your mind in His integrity when it comes to that. It's the same with healing. I don't believe that I will be healed. I believe that I am healed already. I believe that Jesus Christ obeyed on my behalf. He did everything right. He honored His parents. He did everything right so that He could be blessed uh, with physical health. And then my sickness was imputed to Him. Oh hallelujah. The other day I read a scripture there that says that where there's no law sin cannot be imputed. Now I thank God for that. That's why God gave the law so that sin could be imputed to somebody so that we could become sinful before God and then that sin was imputed to Jesus. He died for my sins. He took my sickness upon Him and I believe that He has already taken my sickness. That's what I'm persuaded of. And as I am persuaded I am already healed by what Jesus has done. As I am persuaded that I am already perfect in my health through the obedience and Jesus taking my sickness upon Him, I've got access into the grace of God and then by the grace of God I am saved from the sickness that I experience in this moment or whenever I am sick. So, Uh, uh, that is the way it works. We don't believe for something to happen. The only thing that we believe that will happen or that we expect or hope for is the redemption of our bodies. Now, the love of God in Jesus Christ is so great that we can even expect the redemption or the acceptance of our physical bodies. Now, you've been saved in your spirit. In your soul, you, your, your soul gets renewed and you're experiencing salvation in your soul as well in your mind as your mind is renewed. But then we also expect the salvation of our physical bodies. This physical body has not been saved. It is still subject to death if you look at what is happening to uh, to people in this world. If you go and have a look in the mirror and you see that your hair is becoming grey and you find wrinkles around your eyes Let me tell you something, you are becoming older and death is working in your physical body. And the last enemy to be conquered is death. And God loved us so much and He has um, accepted us to the full in such a way that we can know that His love is so great that He will not only give me salvation for my spirit, save my soul, um, give me finances, bring healing to my body. We can expect even more. We can expect a resurrected, glorified, immortal body from God. And that is what the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter um, 5. As well as Romans chapter 8. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8 and let's read it over there. Let me just find that scripture. It says in verse 15, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now isn't that powerful? It talks about a glory that will be revealed in us. Now let's go to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter is it now eight, eight verse fourteen. I don't know why I've lost this place now. Here it is. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Now isn't that awesome? Verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan with ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he still hope for it? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, that we know not what we should pray but as as we ought to pray, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now let me explain this. I know it's a mouthful. What he says here is that we've got a confident expectation of good things that flows out of the love of God, according to Romans chapter 5. The love of God is the whole redemption plan of Jesus Christ. We need to have the redemption plan of Jesus shed abroad in our hearts and from there we will have hope. Many Christians don't even have hope these days. They expect death, they expect to die. But what we as Christians, even if we die, are supposed to expect and wait for with patience is the acceptance of our bodies. This is what it says. Let's read verse 23 again. And not only they, but ourselves also that uh, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown with ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Now, many people read that scripture the wrong way around, and they say, to be redeemed from our bodies. That means to die. We are waiting to leave our bodies to go to heaven, but that's not what that scripture says. That's not what it implies. What that scripture implies is that we as Christians know that God loves us so much that He has perfected us in our spirits. He is perfecting us in our minds as we, uh, uh, as the Holy Spirit reminds us, reminds us of all the good things that we have received in Jesus Christ, and that we can say He loves us so much that we are waiting. To see the redemption of our bodies. Where our bodies will be saved from death. Where our bodies will be saved from going backwards, becoming older every day, to a place where it is renewed, where my youth is renewed like that of the eagles. It speaks of adolescence, it speaks of being like a teenager, young, where God makes you like a teenager again, in your physical body, and where you will be forever young. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ is coming back to this planet where we will rule and reign with Christ. And as we rule and reign with Him, we're not going to stand there with our old grey beards, if you are men, hanging to the floor. It's not going to be like that. We are expecting glorified bodies. We are expecting salvation from this body of death. We want to see a, a new life and that is the love that God has for us you know we've watered down the love of God to a place where you need a work to get God to even like you it's not the truth God doesn't just like you He agape you He loves you with a, with a God kind of love a love that flows from who you are and not from what the opposite person or the opposite party does That's how He loves you. And His love was manifested in this, that He gave His Son so that we might live in His Son and not in our works. We are living in Jesus Christ. That means I, my finances I receive in Jesus, in His obedience, in His death, and in His resurrection. That means my healing. I receive it in Jesus. Uh, that means my my new body, my immortal body, I receive it in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And what's nice about the scripture, it says, for we are saved by hope. In other words, we are saved, another one says, in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he hope for it? But if we hope for what we see not, then we do that with patience, and with patience we wait for it to happen. So, we as Christians today, we don't sit here every day expecting the Antichrist to come and our lives to go backwards every day. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been watered down to a message that says there's going to come a man that's going to take over the whole world and make the whole place bad. It's not the truth. I believe in my heart that the love of God is so great that it has been shed abroad in the hearts of believers, those who believe the message of grace, the message of His glory is already all over the world. His glory has been poured out over all the world upon all flesh. And as people believe it, they've got access into this grace. And what's going to happen is, the, the I believe the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Everywhere, wherever you look, you will find the glory of God which is the goodness of God, which is the manifestation of His love, which is the manifestation of a new life. And we will find with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ that people will receive immortal bodies and they will live forevermore. That's what we can expect as Christians. Why do we want to live in fear every day? We live in fear for the, the, the money, because we think the money market's going to crash. We've got more faith in the power of the Antichrist than what we've got in the power of Jesus Christ. We are the blessed of God. We are a nation, a holy people that live in this world that is ruling and reigning with Christ. But unfortunately, many of us have been robbed from our identity and from what God has given unto us in Jesus Christ. Here he says that from our hearts, we are already sons crying, Abba, Father. And now we've got an expectation and we patiently wait for what? For the salvation of our physical bodies. meant to be saved from death is a much greater miracle than to receive enough money to pay your rent. Now, what we expect as Christians is the highest which is the immortal body. That is what God has given unto us. That is what we expect from heaven to come as the Lord returns. So, let that be our expectation. Let us know all these other things like finances and health and sickness. That's just small things in the kingdom of God which we receive today. But we hope, we've got a confident expectation because the message of grace has been shared abroad in our hearts which includes the salvation of our bodies. Man, isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to know that you don't have to be subject to death? Isn't it wonderful to know that you don't have to be subject to sickness and disease? It is not from God. It is not His plan for you. He has healed you. He's, bring, He's brought life to you. He's brought resurrection life to you. Hallelujah. Amen. And we can walk in that power. We don't have to say, I'm just going to... Uh, if you believe in your heart... You you are old at the age of 55, you'll be old at the age of about 50. You know, because this negative thing just works so powerfully. But what's going to happen if we start to believe that we don't have to be that old all the time? We don't have to be subject to sickness and disease all the time. If our confidence is, we we don't, hope that we're going to receive resurrected bodies and that the glory of God is going to be manifested in our lives. No, we've got a confident expectation of that glory. Now, whenever the Bible speaks of glory, he speaks of, now I can't say whenever, but in the context of the book of Romans, when he speaks of the glory that we will be glorified with and that we receive from God, it is talking about the resurrected body. That's what he said. It, it talks about eternal life in human flesh where death will be conquered in human flesh. Now, let's read it in Romans 5. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the confident expectation of the glory of God. And not so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience. So, while we are waiting for this thing to come, we just see patience coming to our heart because we are patiently waiting for it. And by patience experience, by experience, we have just got more hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. That means this expectation that we have that we will even receive resurrected bodies and be saved from death. It says it does not make ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That love makes it. You can confidently expect it and it shall happen. Oh hallelujah. Even if it doesn't happen now in my life. It doesn't matter. It shall happen and we will receive that. But we are expecting it in our lives in this time to come. Amen. We don't have time to expect everything that's negative. We don't have time to walk in all types of wrong doctrine and uh, works orientated uh, things. We are supposed to walk in the unconditional love and mercy and grace of God and in the teaching of that. In the revelation of what He's given unto us. You know, who wants to die? Nobody wants to. Now the love of God is so great and you know what? While I say this, I can just feel that there are people who will struggle to believe this. The love of God is so great that He has redeemed you from eternal hell. He has redeemed you from having a wrong soul. He's redeemed you from, an, from all evil spirits. He has redeemed you from spiritual death. And He also has redeemed you from the physical death. And that's what God gives unto us. And that is the love of God. Now the reason why I explain this is, if you don't understand this as a foundation, you can never understand Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's start to read. I'm just find the right place here. I think it's verse 29. Yes, here it is. Verse twenty, yeah. let verse twenty-eight. Uh, um, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to uh, to them that are the called according to His purpose. Now that is us, okay? For whom He did foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among men, many brethren. Now listen. For whom He did foreknew, He also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now listen, God foreknew you. He knew you before you were born. Before you were formed in the womb of your mother, God knew you. (coughs) And His plan for you was uh, to, to... He had a purpose. Let's read verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. So God has called you. Many are called, but few chose it to be called by God and to respond to the call of God. Now, God called you because He foreknew you. Now the Bible says, for whom He did foreknew, He also predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God foreknew you for one purpose, to bear the very image of His Son. And not just spiritually, but physically as well. And that is the love of God. Man, God loves you so much that He provided for every need that you have. Everything that you come short of being just like Jesus, where He is seated right now at the right hand of the Father, the purpose of the Father is to supply all the things you need that you come short of to be like Jesus so that Jesus could be the firstborn among many brethren and we could be in the very same image as the Son of God. Man, that is profound. That is so, so powerful. Let me put it, let, let me explain to you this way. Say this is the image of Jesus Christ and you only measure up to here when it comes to Jesus. Maybe you've got a half a renewed mind, you've got a little bit of prosperity, a little bit of health, you don't have everything and don't measure up to Jesus. Now Jesus is the express image of God Almighty. In other words, everything that you think you come short when it comes to God, This is what God has done. He said, I will supply everything for you so that you can be in my image and that Jesus could be the firstborn among many brethren or people that are the same so that we can call God our Father. Making ourselves now, this is what the Bible says. Jesus called God His Father and then He said he, the Bible said they wanted to stone Him because He made Himself equal with God. Now, what God came to do is He calls us His sons and He gave us the Spirit that calls out of Him and say, Abba, Father, so that we can stand before God today in His very likeness and in His image because of Him and not because of our own works and our own righteousness. So, everything we have consists out of Him and the less we become by our works, the more he can live in us by his work and what he's done upon the cross. Now let's read verse 29 again. For, for whom he did foreknow, now say that is me. Okay, that's me. He also did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God has already predestined for you to be in the image of His Son. There's nothing you can do about it, born again Christian. You cannot change from that. The only thing that can rob you is the, from this and experiencing that in this life is the message of do's and don'ts and laws and regulations and rules and all of those type of teachings. Moreover, whom He did predestine, predestined, them also He called. So God predestinated you Then He called you. And whom He called, He also justified. So He justified you. And whom He justified, them also He glorified. So what happens? In Jesus Christ, you were predestined, you were called, you were justified, and you are glorified. Now we haven't seen the glorification of physical bodies yet. What shall we say then of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Man, look at how God is for you. You know, God did did everything possible in Jesus Christ to get you to be in His image and in His likeness. So how will you ever find poverty coming into your life out of the hand of God? How will you ever find God making you sick? It's impossible. How will you ever find God putting you through a hard time to purify you? No, God wants you to be in His likeness and in His image through the obedience, through the resurrection and through uh, 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 the death of Jesus Christ. The, uh, The obedience, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He made you in His image and in His likeness. He has spared not His own Son but delivered Him up for us how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now listen, when he gave Jesus, he with him, with Jesus, when he gave Jesus 2,000 years ago, he gave us all things. All things that pertains to life, all things that pertains to godliness, he gave through Jesus Christ. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Is it God that justifies? Now listen, here he comes with a message of condemnation and how we are justified and not condemned and and how we don't have to feel indebted to God. Listen, the love of God is this, that He he, he, he predestined you before you were born. He decided, all of man, I've made them and everybody that's going to be born in this world is born for one purpose and that is, to bear the very image of God Almighty by what God gives them freely. So many times we think that we are born to bear the image of God, now we must bear the image of God. You cannot bear the image of God. You are clothed with the image of God by God and by what Jesus has done. The image of God comes in a package called uh, uh, justification, glorification and righteousness by what Jesus has done. So as you are clothed with a justification which comes through the blood of Jesus, according to Romans 5, you are bearing the image of God. The more you believe I'm justified free from my works, the more you are bearing the image of God. The more you say I am justified by my works and you even do all things right, the more you are bearing the image of this world and of death. Man, that is profound. It is powerful. If you can go and met it upon that, it will really touch you. Now listen to what the scripture says. Jesus Christ came, why? So that we could receive the glorification and the power of God in our physical bodies and in our whole being. Hallelujah. Let's read it. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestined, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom He justified, He also glorified. So, in Jesus Christ, you've already been glorified. And we are in Him. And as we are in Him, we see that that glorification is still going to manifest. And the Bible says that the whole creation waits for the sons of God to manifest that awesome resurrection power in the physical bodies. Because that day, this whole earth will not be subject to death anymore. You'll find no animals die. You'll find no trees will die. Everything will grow. It will be like in the beginning. Amen. What shall we then say of these things? What shall we say about the fact that we are justified in Jesus before we were born? What shall we say about that? What shall we say about the fact that we are glorified in Christ? We were predestined to be glorified. God Almighty predestined us to be like Him. He has decided that the Almighty has decided that and we heard that message, we believed that message and now if you're a believer, you are in the heart in the middle center of the will of God. You are justified. You are glorified. You received your justification. You have received your glorification and you have access into what God predestined you to be through faith. And you are in that already. Hallelujah. Now, what shall we say of all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his only Son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also fully give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Is it God that justifies? Who shall bring in any charge against you? Do you think it's God? The only one who can bring in a charge against you is God. Because He decided to make you holy. He decided to make you righteous. He decided to bring life to you. Now, if that is what God has decided, who else but God can bring in an accusation against you? Who shall lay anything to charge of God's elect? Is it God that justifies? It's impossible. God justifies. He doesn't bring a charge against you. Who is He that condemns? Is it Christ that died? Yes, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Do you think Jesus will ever condemn you? Never. Do you think God will ever uh, bring in a charge against you? He's the one that justifies you. Do you think your intercessor, the, your advocate, will bring in a charge against you? No, he's for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now this is the love of Christ. That we are called, glorified, justified, blessed, and all those things. That is the love of God Almighty. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that so, so awesome? It is so powerful. Let's read it once more. I just wanted to just touch on the last part here. It says here, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What is the love of Christ? You being justified, you being glorified, you being made new, you being made righteous. That's the love of God. By God deciding that even before you were born and by faith you've had access into this. Now remember, without faith you stand guilty before God because you've got no access into this grace and you stand before Him in your works and you'll be judged according to your works as all Christians will appear before the judgment seat of God to be just by, judged by their works but uh, uh, our evil works will not be imputed unto us because we are forgiven. And all the good works of Jesus, they are imputed to us and we'll be blessed accordingly. Right. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, the fact that we go through a hard time now. Now so many people, the moment you go through a hard time, they want that hard time to separate you from the love of God. Oh yeah, the reason why you don't prosper financially is because God is not pleased with you. My poverty cannot separate me from the love of God, even if I am poor, even if I am rich, even if I am sick, no, even if I don't have clothes to wear, even if I'm persecuted and sit in jail for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if I struggle in this world, that struggling does not separate me from the love of God. I am still justified. I am still glorified. I am still the righteousness of God. He is still pleased with me. He still does not bring in any accusation against me. Hallelujah. So many times when things go wrong, uh, uh, the to say, saying, people do it towards themselves as well, punish themselves, beat themselves up, saying, what have I done wrong? God's finding fault with me, therefore I'm not blessed. Do you think God can bring in an accusation against you? He's the one that justifies you. Justify, layman's definition, just as if I have never sinned and obeyed and are blessed accordingly. Now God places you as if you have never sinned, as you've always been obedient and then He blessed you accordingly. That's His job. That's what He does. Do you think He'll bring a, 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 a charge in against you? You are the elect of God. You are chosen to be in the image of God. Do you think God's going to bring in a charge against you? Do you think Jesus Christ is going to condemn you? No ways. Listen to what Paul says. And this is so, so powerful. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And I've just explained the love of God for the last, I don't have to say it again. The love of God is what God has done for you in Jesus. Who shall, in other words, who shall separate us from saying that we are the righteousness of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, if I go through a famine, my farm is not prospering, shall that separate me from the fact that I'm the righteousness of God, that I'm the blessed of God, that God approves of me, that God only speaks good of me? No ways. But preachers love it these days when people do something wrong to take the law out and whip people thoroughly. Now that is not the plan of God, that's not the word of God, even if people struggle. Or nakedness, if, or peril, hard times, or the sword. If I'm in a war, or something's going wrong with me, shall that separate? As it's written, for thy sakes we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, through Him that loved us. Even if I go through poverty, that poverty cannot Make me think or believe that I am not prosperous through the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe the message of grace when it comes to money. And even if it should happen that I don't have money, even if it should go so bad that I cannot pay my airtime or pay the salary that we need to pay, must sell my car or something happen, that cannot separate me from the fact that I am prosperous by grace and not tithing. Hallelujah. And I want to turn it the other way around. My works doesn't make me righteous. My works doesn't, uh, uh, my works, wrong works, cannot separate me from the love of Christ. Or hard times cannot separate me from the love of Christ. Not at all. It cannot happen. The only thing, and I want to turn it around, nothing can bring you towards Christ if nothing can separate you from Christ. The only, I mean, talking about works now. <clears throat> Let's just read it again. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. In all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. I believe grace about money, not tithing. I am prosperous, not by tithing, but by the grace of God. Even if I am in poverty, that poverty cannot separate me from the fact that I am prosperous in the eyes of God and that I am well-pleasing when it comes to finances in the eyes of God. In the same way, your tithing can never, and your works can never make you righteous before God and put you in a good place before God. Never. The love of Christ is what puts you in right standing before God. Now, this is what it says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Now, if you don't know the love of God you will not experience this conquering power. For I am persuaded, it's also the word faith, that neither death nor life. Now I believe that God has given us, and and this is what comes towards us, immortal bodies. Even if I die, it cannot separate me from the love of Christ, I will still receive my immortal body. Hallelujah. For life, nor life, even life, even if in this life I see something that lives that's not the way it's supposed to be. Not, that cannot separate me from the love of God. Nor an angel, nor a principality, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Neither height, nor depth, nor any other creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't this awesome? Oh hallelujah. Nothing can separate you from the fact that you are the righteousness of God. Nothing can separate you from your righteousness that you have already received. Nothing can separate you from the fact that God cares for you, loves you, approves of you, will only speak good about you. He has made you righteous and that He has predestined you to be in the very likeness of His Son. Nothing can separate you from the fact that God will never bring in any accusation against you. Some preacher might bring in an accusation against you. You might even bring in an accusation against yourself. But not even God can bring in an accusation against you for He's the one that justifies you. Jesus cannot condemn you for He's the one that died for you and makes intercession on your behalf today. Isn't that awesome? That is the power of God. That is the love of God. Now the Bible says, because this love is shed abroad in our hearts, we've got a confident expectation in good things to come. Hallelujah. The Bible says, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. And He's not been made perfect in love. So do you see what the love of God is? Congregation, I want to just say to you that the love of God is towards you. He's commanded His love towards you. He doesn't decide one day he loves you and the next day he doesn't love you. He wrote down His love in the palms of the hands and the side and the body of Jesus Christ. That's where He wrote down His love and He loves you. As surely as what Jesus loves. I shall prosper in all areas of my life. And even if I don't prosper, that does not separate me from the fact that that prosperity is on the way. And there's nothing that I can do that will not make that manifest in my life In this life. Except not believing. Because by faith we've got access into this. And even if you don't believe it. If you only believe that Jesus will save you one day when you die. You will go to heaven. And then you'll receive everything. Because then your faith will become right. Because you will see him as he truly is. And he will correct you. In every area where you were under the law. And not believing the truth about Jesus. Man isn't that awesome. You need to listen to this again. That is a good explanation of Hebrews, uh, I mean of Romans chapter 8. It brings life. Amen. Now, let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for everybody that is tuned into this broadcast of Wet Church, the Sunday broadcast. I thank you that people are loved by you. I thank you that we are actually doomed to be blessed. We can't but be blessed. You've decided for us. You've decided on our behalf. And the moment we believe that every decision you decide on our behalf kicks into action. We are prosperous. The gospel works for us. It's not just for somebody else. It's for me, Bertie Brits. I want you people right there where you are say the gospel worked for me. Just say it. I am the blessed. The Spirit indwells me. I am righteous. And nothing can separate me from it. Not even God. For He's the giver of it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for every person for a wonderful week. And in this week, that they will just indulge into Your Word that they will just get more into Your Word, maybe get onto the website, listen to some of the messages over and over, and just get into their system, see a change of life coming to them. In Jesus' name, and just acceptance, dignity, and worth in their minds and hearts. Amen. I want to thank you that you've watched this uh, broadcast. Please send this link to as many people as what you can. Go to your mailing list. Just send it to everybody. Now, the guy that doesn't want to watch this, he will not watch it, but just mail it. Say that to somebody because this good news people need to hear. Now remember there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and live in the righteousness the love and the peace of God for God truly loves you. Amen.